A blessed day to everyone listening. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is August the 23rd, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. A good day. Mi amigo, what's happening? Good day, sir. Nothing too crazy, man. Hot as balls. Is it? Here in Chicago and I think most of the Midwest right now. Yeah. Mm. Tis summer. Tis summer, but our normal temperature doesn't normally get up to 100 during the day. With like a feels like temperature of one five to one ten, it's very strange for this area, Frank. Is it? Many are calling on global warming. I call pishy cocky. I don't know what to believe. Well, um, <laughs> I'm in Southern California, and we just had a hurricane, but we didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say. Tell me, I've heard heard it could have been the worst storm to ever hit San Diego, and that's the last I heard of it. It could have also been the least worst storm to hit San Diego. <laughs> I don't know. I guess there was a hurricane developing off the western coast of Mexico, and it was making its way up to Southern California. I don't even know if it reached hurricane status. I think the largest it got was tropical storm. So okay, like the, like the Chicago equivalent of a dusting. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. It was supposed to come and hit really hard on Sunday, and it rained. It was wet, but it was just a rainy day. That's all it was. Isn't it funny how almost always the first thing that people go to and like perhaps an awkward conversation or you don't know what to talk about is all based off of just guesses the weather oh yeah 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 <laughs> hey what do you think of that estimation of what might happen tomorrow <laughs> and what's crazier is that people um out here were cleaning out store shelves really yeah they went wild my mom was showing me this video of her costco and the line went mm. from the front of the store to the all the way to the back of the store Literally, the entire length of the store was the line to check out. That's and um, it's just amazing that, like, it boils down to fear porn, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, we, we want to consume the possibility of destruction because we have nothing else to amuse ourselves with in our miserable daily lives. And so we pray that something bad happens from the gods, something that we can't control, just that we feel alive. It's true. If you're into that kind of porn, uh, you're probably loving what happened in Hawaii this past week. I guess. I don't know. There's not much to love about what happened in Hawaii. No, I say that sarcastically, Frank. I'm sure you do. Terrible. (laughs) I mean, everything about it, dude, like everything about it is so fucked from the local response to the federal response to the non-accounting for who's missing. We're getting no numbers. We're getting no updates on who's missing, who's dead. And it looks like a lot of it could have been prevented, man. That's like the worst of it. So we talked We talked not too long ago. I think, I think it was when your, your pops was on the show about wildfires in California. And how a rainy season um, makes for a more treacherous fire season because you get a lot of growth and then the growth dries, but it doesn't get cleared out because we don't log anymore. So there's nobody going into the forests, into the brush area, clearing out the debris so that they can work. It just stays there and becomes tender and fodder. Coincidentally enough, I'm I'm not trying to put the tinfoil hat on this early on on a Wednesday, BlackRock owns the electric company in Maui. Mm. And they were told uh, years ago that they needed to clean this stuff up, that there was a, a hazard for, for fire, particularly in this town that, that got destroyed because the town that got destroyed is very dry. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently there's like desert arid areas in Hawaii and this town happens to be one of them. It's dry where it's at. There's a wind tunnel that comes from down of the mountain. So if it's hot and dry, 
and and the wind's blowing, it creates like a big, like giant, almost like downward fan into that area. Mm. A down power line is most likely the the cause of this fire. It went down. There was high winds. The utility company refused to turn off the power. So it made the electrical line hot when the power line fell, created a spark, which created a flame. They didn't use their emergency alerting system. They didn't provide water for hours. They had like they had to look at look at it through some sort of equity equity lens before they could release water. Mm. And even now it's like a big quarantine area. So there's estimations and again, I don't know how much of it's true, but the fact that no the fact that nobody's willing to give any story to the contrary makes me believe that this might be true. That there's upwards of a thousand people, mostly children, that perished in this fire. Yeah, I think that's why they're keeping it so tongue in cheek, because they think a lot of them were, were kids that were home from school and they didn't set off any kind of alarm or warning for the, the people on the island. Numbers are they believe are gonna fall somewhere between a thousand to eleven hundred, but Right now, they've only actually identified confirmed victims, 27 out of the 114 bodies that they have, which is wild. And to, with today's technology, or like these people must be so severely burned. But like, I would still think dental records would give you enough of what you need, even with, even with that. So I, I'm wondering if they're just really being cautious with what they release here because of the number of children that have you know passed. So Reuters has an article out and they're saying, they're reporting that 400 students from the burn area have enrolled in other public schools. All 200 signed up for distance learning. So that's 600 students. That means that there are 1,600 unaccounted for students. Holy shit. Because there's about three. Damn. There's about there's more than 3,000 students that serve the four schools that were in Lahaina. And only 600 have done something. Right. So, so I'm not saying that they're that they're dead or missing or anything. I mean, maybe their parents right. had died or, you know, maybe they don't have a home. So like school is the last thing on their mind. But that still means that there's 1,600 students that have yet to <sighs> enroll anywhere in any school or make themselves known to any administration. I saw the press. They were like berating the mayor of this town yeah. about like just his response and why they're not given more information because of children. And he like he had nothing to say, bro. He was just eating shit because I mean, like, what do you say at that point? Yeah, let's take a let's take a listen. I have that. Oh, nice. I don't know. I wish yes, I you answer. do. How many children are missing? You know. I, wish I knew the answer to that. I would be happy to answer that. You have no estimate as to how so. many children are missing. I guess Nothing? we can end this right now. If you guys want. Sorry. This is it one of the biggest stays. questions that the stays. people of Lahaina no, have. You don't want to answer. It always takes one or two. Please. To ruin it for everybody. Please. This is our only opportunity. Oh, we can say that about you. You sure. ruined it for everybody. You're the media. You can say whatever you want. You're a disaster. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've been the worst mayor we could possibly imagine. You won't even wait. Respect. Respect what? This is the most dismal response we've ever had. You won't wait for your turn. You, you want to shout over these guys that are legitimate? Why don't you give them the real answers then? Give them the real answers. That's not his question. Let him. Let him. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm not envious of this guy. <laughs> I mean, like that's a terrible position to be in, even if you're respected. But they said it in the beginning of that of that press conference that he knows. They know. They know the numbers. They know who's missing. Oh, yeah. uh, and they're not saying now whether they're not saying out of respect for families or they're not saying out of respect for who the missing are. And I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a non nefarious reason for it. 
but ah, that's tough, dude. They know that they know the numbers they're not giving them. Why? I'm not the kind of person that thinks that the president should be at a disaster zone immediately following a disaster and touring it. You know, that to me, I think it's it's all show. Right. You know, what are you going to do? But Biden did end up showing up. uh, I don't know how many days late, 10 days, 14 days. Please tell me you heard what he did. Well, I mean, he did a number of things. <laughs> like it's like you can, it's it's almost hard to to choose. the 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 most egregious thing I saw him do, he was talking to some of the uh, first responders and the firemen, and he was looking at one of the German shepherds, which happens to be a cadaver dog. And the cadaver dogs wear these these like rubber booties because there's glass and debris and things all on the ground. And um, he looks at the dog and he sees he's wearing the booties and he looks at the the handler of the dog and he he goes uh, and he points to the shoes. He goes, that's a hot ground. And I'm just thinking like, how tone deaf can you be? (laughs) Oh my God. I saw that video. I could not believe what I saw. I was just like, dude, that is incredible. I mean, like, I don't know if you remember how much shit Trump got for throwing paper towel rolls to the people of Puerto Rico. He was like, shooting them like it were baskets and that's like super offensive and, and tone deaf but like to say that's a hot ground i mean like oof yeah um yeah oh you mean the the ground that just got scorched by wildfires and killed a bunch of kids joe that yeah. fire maybe leave that alone grandpa i'm sure he got ice cream while he was there though yeah it was a hot day he attended a ceremony and fell asleep <sighs> what yeah dude. i didn't he, hear like, that he like dozed off like dozed off during the ceremony it's like and oh my CNN tried to run cover saying that like he just like closed his eyes and took a deep breath and like a moment of reflection, but it's like very clearly dozing off. Like if you've ever been to an all day meeting and you just had lunch uh-huh. and then you go back and you sit down and you're supposed to watch a presentation and you're fighting like hell to not fall asleep. That's exactly what's going on. <laughs> not a good look for El Presidente. Uh, they called him the, <laughs> I think this was CNN. They called him the empathizer in chief. <laughs> He had quite the lay on, though. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. It was very uh, robust. Did you see the reception that he got from Hawaiians? No. It wasn't great. (laughs) It was pretty bad. Really? Yeah. There was like they, I mean, it was just one video, but it was a a, a convoy of the the presidential convoy with all the SUVs and uh, just people. Fuck you. Fuck you. Um, Mm. It was pretty bad. I, I did see that they're issuing relief, but the relief is $700 per family. And that like makes no sense to me. I mean, I have, hopefully most of these people have insurance and stuff and it's covered that way. But like, what the fuck does $700 do for your entire family when something like this happens? That's a joke. Yeah, I mean, it's a joke for sure. Even even if you're looking at it in the lens of like initial aid, the first thing that, that you provide just to, you know, w- without knowing anything else, like, you know, here's $700, hopefully this helps. It's, right. it's nothing. Um, and then, you know, I think what comes to a lot of people's minds just because it's uh, front and center and things that we've been hearing about all the time is, is the amount of money that we've given to Ukraine to fight a, a proxy mm-hmm. war, you know, and, and that's not how money is accounted in, in, in the United States government. Uh, but but very few people know how, how money is accounted for in the United States government. And so the number one thought is that there's not enough money for Hawaii because we're spending it all on Ukraine, which is not true. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of money for Hawaii. Uh, it's just it's just the response to it. And and that that to me is the is is the most interesting part of all of this is why is the response so muted? Why are we not waving Hawaiian flags? How come we're not saying Maui strong? You know, like how come there's not that push? It's it's not that's true. It's not for nothing. Right. It's not because they've been forgotten. I don't know, man. It's it's 
it's tragic. And I hope that, uh, I, you know, I, I, for sure, you know, I, this is one that I want to keep tabs on and update people with, because I think we, we need to really learn what happened here uh, and, and just how bad it was. And there, you know, people need, people need to start coming to prison, man. Um, if you made the decision to withhold water when you knew that there was a potential tragedy, you should mm -hmm. go to prison. Yeah. If you knew that there was a danger for a fire and you operated a utility company, somebody needs to go to prison. Um, Just too many, too much death, too much destruction, too much tragedy. Flipping the uh, conspiracy switch on, I've, I've been seeing some reports that it appears that maybe there were like trucks that were picking up kids, like as in rescuing them during all this. Yet, and like those are some of the ones that have gone disappeared. So there's a, so a belief on the internet, at least. I don't know if it's verified with any facts, but that like, you know, child sex traffickers were, they use this as an opportunity to do this, maybe even orchestrated it, which is like disgusting to think about if that's remotely true. I, I really don't think it is, but man, with like all the shit we're learning more and more about how big child sex trafficking is and like probably getting increasingly harder to do, something like this would kind of make sense to as a way to do that and go under the radar and then like you see how sketchy they've been with like releasing information about it mm -hmm. kind of feels like they're hiding something you know what i mean but just strange just something i heard so i thought i'd bring up for the listeners yeah well i mean yeah the the response the response to the fire is obviously going to generate some some suspicion and it should i mean it absolutely should. Yeah, yeah there's another one i don't know i don't know i should bring this up but apparently there's some homes in hawaii that have blue rooftops. <laughs> I heard about this. You heard about yeah. this one? And uh, because they have blue rooftops. And, th and the point of the blue rooftop is to, I think, and this is, I, I know this for a fact, I think it's because of um, like water helps you like retain rainwater. Hmm. Like there's a membrane there that helps you retain rainwater instead of just run off, like just running off your house. I think. Anyways, the idea is that there might be a uh, direct energy weapon or a laser that targeted these homes, and then the homes that didn't have blue roofs or that did have blue roofs were saved, like putting lamb's blood on your doorstep to escape the angel of death. The list of people I saw that had blue roof homes was like Oprah, Jeff Bezos, like a bunch of uh, Jim Carrey, like a bunch of famous motherfuckers, dude. Like, it, it, I'm sure there were people that weren't famous that had blue roofs, I guess, if this is like a practical thing that people do. But it is weird that like this entire island got destroyed, yet these houses that were very close to the fires weren't even touched. It's a little strange. And I did see that laser video. It's it's weird. I, it could be doctored. I, who knows? But there's too many like things like, why wouldn't they sound the alarm? Why, you know, like just too many things that led to so many deaths. It's like, are we really just that dumb? Like, like we are humans. We make mistakes. We're, we're stupid. But like, there's so many processes in place to like protect from shit like this. I think you have to juxtapose those theories with other stories that we have highlighted that prove without a shadow of a doubt, the ineptness and the incompetence of our leaders. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think in, in in order to believe a lot of these theories, you have to give a lot of credit <laughs> to these human beings that have proven themselves to be stupid motherfuckers, <laughs> like really, really dumb people. And so I, I'd right. like to, you know, Occam's razor, whatever. These are fun to talk about, but but I do think, unfortunately, incompetent, laziness, and stupidity, and hubris, and uh, just overall like not being a sharp person leads to disasters like this again people need to go to prison for it okay switching topics entirely i 
like others who reached a certain age and like super into World War II. But I have been nice. for a long Same. time. My freshman year of college, I took an upper level history class on World War II. Just because I was fascinated by it. I wanted to learn about it. It was a source of, I think, pride and uh, honor and patriotism. And we feel this like uh, like it was a good war. And, you know, we were the good guys. We defeated the bad guys. And it was, I think it was like the last time like, in any conflict we felt that way. But uh, Michael Tracy on Twitter has a thread. And it like kind of rocked me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know any of this shit. So he starts off this thread saying that it's only recently that uh, I've come to fully appreciate how shockingly impoverished the popular understanding uh, is of World War II and how centrally this factors into present day propaganda. Um, and then he asks, be honest, what percentage of the population do you think knows the first thing about any of this? I know a lot about World War II. A lot. I didn't know any of this. So apparently, immediately after the Second World War, the victorious allies carried out the largest forced population transfer and perhaps the single greatest movement of peoples in human history. With the assistance of the British, Soviet and U.S. governments, millions of German speaking civilians living in Czechoslovakia, Hungary, and parts of, the, of Eastern Germany assigned to Poland were driven out of their homes, deposited amid the ruins of the, of the former Reich to fend for themselves as best they could. So basically all the allies went to Czechoslovakia, Hungary, and uh, Eastern Germany. Uh, that was part of Poland at the time. They took German-speaking peoples, could have been Polish nationals, could have been whoever, German-speaking peoples, rounded them up and threw them into the destruction that was Germany and said, good luck. Tens of and possibly hundreds of thousands lost their lives through ill treatment, starvation, and disease while detained in camps before their departure, often like Auschwitz I, the same concentration camps used by the Germans during the Second World War. Many more perished on expulsion trains, locked in freight wagons without food, water, or heating during journeys to Germany, and sometimes took weeks. Uh, or they died uh, on the roadside while being driven on foot to the borders. Estimates of 500,000 deaths at the lower end of the spectrum and as many as 1.5 million at the higher are consistent with the evidence as it exists at present. On the most optimistic interpretation, the explosions were an immense man-made catastrophe on a scale to put the suffering that occurred as a result of the ethnic cleansing in the former Yugoslavia in the 1990s in the shade. Today, outside of Germany, these events are com almost completely unknown. And I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I had no clue. Yeah, I never... Never knew that. I don't feel as bad for them as what they were doing, you know? I, even if it was just the people in control, you can't tell me that between two to six million Jews were killed without anyone knowing in 30-plus concentration camps across your country. It's like, there's no—those people knew so and, like, still defended their country. And, you know, so I, it's harder for me to feel sympathy for them, uh, having to go through even something— close to similar of a condition as concentration camps um, after what they were fighting for. But, I mean, that's sucks to hear if, like, yeah, the dude in Poland who wasn't even affiliated that just spoke German got thrown into that. That is that is not good. Well, the answer to a travesty isn't, like, uh, a million and a half more lives being thrown into the meat grinder. Yeah, look what we just had done, man. We just dropped a bomb and killed over 300,000 people. <laughs> we dropped two bombs, and we write the history, so we're always going to look good, but, like... Well, that's the point. The way that war ended was already a terrible look for America. So that's the point here, is that, you know, we're the victors, so, like, this yeah. stuff doesn't... It's bad. It was a bad look. Mm -hmm. Women survivors of these German concentration camps have recalled that, notwithstanding the unrestrained brutality that pervaded most other aspects of daily life, rape or other forms of sexual maltreatment at the hands of their guards was an extremely rare occurrence and severely punished by the authorities if detected. So we're talking about uh, 
the concentration camps of the Holocaust within Germany and outlying areas. After the war, in contrast, the Red Cross recorded that sexual abuse of female detainees by their captors was pervasive and systematic. Conditions there for women are definitely more unfavorable than in the German concentration camps where cases of rape were where. Now, again, we're, we're zooming in here. Yeah, maybe you didn't get raped, but kind of like watch the, the systematic murder of everyone that you know and love and anybody who's re- like related to you by, by race or religion. Uh, so <laughs> like the alternative was better, but I just thought that was an interesting tidbit that, that although they were killing people and they were doing so in the open and that was the point of why they were there, even though they dehumanized them in that aspect, they didn't allow for sexual maltreatment. And I thought that was interesting. You would think that, you know, <laughs> there would be, you know, no holds barred, do whatever you want. They're already dead people. Anyway, right. why would you? Why would you stop at rape? But apparently, I mean, I don't know, this is just according to this one book written about this subject. That didn't happen. I thought. I thought that was uh, kind of bizarre. It is bizarre, especially for the stories you hear, like out of Vietnam and even like Iraq. Like, ha- haven't U.S. soldiers been like accused of this many times? Like, I've heard it a lot in Vietnam, but like, a lot of women were like raped or like drugged with heroin and then raped. Like. All kinds of crazy shit. I, I know Nam was insane. Like, I can't imagine the shit they saw. But. It was a big problem in Japan uh, recently. Oh, really? Yeah. The the Japanese were, like, threatening to kick the United States military out of Japan because there were reports of rape um, outside the bases from American soldiers or sexual harassment, sexual uh, assault. Wow. Yeah, it was bad, dude. It was bad. Uh, but, I mean, like, like, I think it's interesting that this kind of story, even back then, all those years ago, you know, it's still able to pretty much fly under the radar. And the, the point this guy's making is that, you know, think about how that contributes to today, right? Like, ever since that point, it seems like that prop, uh, the American propaganda machine has just been running at full bore the entire time. Right. And there hasn't been like really any truthful aspect of what we've been doing. And when we get somebody who speaks truth to power, or at least uh, at least back then, they all became martyrs. So I don't know. I wonder how, how far back this goes. I don't know that it makes me any less uh, proud of what we did in World War II or the ability to stop the advancement of Nazi Germany. And But I don't know. This is uh, pretty crazy. What's your favorite battle of World War II? And why? That's a tough one, because like I think you know, history will put it all in one group as World War II. But there was really two wars going on in the Pacific and then in Europe. And I think Europe was a little bit more of a glorified war. The Pacific and Dan Carlin does a, a series on the Pacific and hardcore history, and it's so bad. It's so bad, and I I, I can't really pick one. Peleliu, it comes to mind, but just the savagery. And the barbarism on both sides, what that war did to those men, it's, dude, it's nuts. It's crazy. And Pacific, does that just refer to everything that was in Asia, basically? Like when people say the Pacific, what, what are they referring to? Yeah, well, uh, Jap- uh, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. It decimated the United States mm-hmm. Navy. We had to rebuild uh, and we had to rebuild quickly. The day after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, Germany declared war on the United States. We were already sort of helping the Brits. Germany had sank a couple of uh, uh, like merchant ships um, in international waters or close to U.S. waters. So we were already kind of gearing up for war. And then once Germany declared war, we began to mobilize for Europe. Uh, but it took a little, little while longer to mobilize for the Pacific. And so once we began to bolster up our Navy, we began to go and fight the Japanese where they were. 
Um, and, the, and the Japanese Navy had strongholds in little islands all throughout the Pacific leading up to Japan. And so we had to infiltrate these islands, go in there and snuff out the Japanese to the last man. And that's why the Pacific was so bad, because the Japanese did not surrender. They either killed themselves or they fought to the death. And it wasn't until every Japanese soldier was exterminated that they moved on to the next island. So these battles took months and they drug on forever. And there was hundreds of thousands of casualties. And it was brutal. It was brutal. And the weather was terrible. And there was disease, malaria, just all the, all the worst things that you can imagine. Interesting. That's funny because like I... I'm a war guy, like more of a civil war guy, but I like into wars. And I always kind of thought that like the whole front on the Pacific kind of started as Germany was like falling, as we were like closing in on Hitler. Then we shifted our gaze, but it sounds like they were kind of going on at the same time. Maybe oh, a little yeah, bit at the same time, Europe, for sure. But yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. I just thought we were like focused on let's fuck Germany. They're the superpower here and then we'll deal with, you know, Japan later. But no, it was pretty much a two front war. Um, but if, hmm. if you if, if anybody listening who's interested gets the chance, um, the Pacific, Dan Carlin's hardcore history, his series on the Pacific, it's unbeatable. It's amazing. Really, really good. Let's switch gears here. If you had to guess, what number would you put to the video game industry revenue? If you had to just take a wild guess per year. And this is worldwide. Shit. Uh, 1.5 bill. So I'll give you... The music industry and the movie industry. Music industry about twenty six point two billion. Uh, movie industry about seventy seven billion. Jesus. If you combined those numbers and then you doubled them, you'd still be shy of what video games bring in. Wow. Two hundred twenty one billion dollars. And the list is interesting. Uh, a lot of it comes from Asia. The number one video game in the world is Dungeon Fighter Online. PC and mobile game uh, started in 2005, and in uh, 2023, it brought in $22 billion. <laughs> Never heard of it. Uh, it's a Korean game. Uh, Pac-Man, number two. Pac-Man brought in $20 billion. This was um, last year? This is two, uh, it says 2016. Um, so this might be from like a, a, a range of years. Space Invaders, Street Fighter, Honor of Kings and Lineage uh, round out the top six. And then it's not until number seven, League of Legends, do we get an American-made video game. Um, in 2022, League of Legends brought in $15 billion. And then World of Warcraft rounds out the top 10. And World of Warcraft brought in $11 billion in 2018. So mm. big old numbers for video games. And, uh, you know, we play video games here and there, and I play mobile games here and there, but I didn't know to the extent um, that video games are so popular. And overwhelmingly, within this makes sense, uh, mobile video games make up the lion's share of revenue for video games at $85 billion in revenue. Mm. PC video games bring in $40 billion, and console video games bring in $33 billion. So, yeah, man, it's a lot. It's quite a lot. I have just looked up a list of the, the top 50 grossing video game franchises. I wanted to see if you could guess the top five at all. Top 50 grossing Highest video, grossing game, video game franchises. Franchises? Not individual title, but the, mm -hmm. the franchise itself, yes. Super Mario, number one. They're number two. Number two. Number one video game. With 30 billion, 250 million. Is it obvious? Uh, yeah, once you hear it, you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Due to the longevity. Uh, Sonic? Mm -mm. 
Sonic doesn't even crack the top 20 that I'm seeing. Up oh, 21. Huh. GTA? GTA does not crack the top 10 either. They are at number 13. Oh, wow. Number one video at game. $9 billion. Mm-hmm. Think Game Boy Color Days. Think oh, Pokemon, of course. Days. There you go. Yep, Pokemon's number one with over $90 billion in revenue. Uh, number three, this surprised me a little bit, but a game I love dearly, Call of Duty franchise at $17 mm-hmm. billion. Four, I don't know how they do this. It's Wii because of Wii Sports, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Wii's, I guess. I don't know. And number five is Pac-Man with $14 billion. They're just shy of Wii by $1 million, so. Wow. But it, interesting. Yeah, I, I would would have thought GTA would have been higher on this list. I would have thought even like a Star Wars would have been higher with the way people eat that shit up. But yeah, there you go. Gaming is a lifestyle, man. It's not uh, It's not something that people do. It's something that they are. Get with the team, Frank. Um, all right. I can go, I can go in all kinds of directions here. Um, there were two articles that came out this week. Two articles. That one, two. One by the New York okay. Times. Follow New York. I just want to be clear, man. Two articles. <laughs> New York Times came out with one, and the Atlantic came out with one. And the New York Times article is, uh, and they changed the headline of this article, by the way. Oh. The New York Times uh, article title was, Elections are bad for democracy. The Atlantic article's uh, title is, Americans vote too much. And I'm thinking, oh, well, what? Right. There, there must be something here, right? This is just to, uh, to, to, to grab a click so you can actually read the article, if you read the article, it basically is, is exactly what you're thinking. So the New York Times article tries to push this this process called sortition, which is what the ancient Greeks used, wherein a pool of candidates were put in together and then, and then the leader was chosen randomly. And they make the case that if you're chosen randomly, then the idea that you're the chosen one or you're the elected one doesn't get to your head and you're able to govern more efficiently. Eh. I'm sure there's a reason why it was left in ancient Greece. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, all right, whatever, New York Times. Um, interesting that you're writing this. And then the Atlantic article is basically saying democracy is too hard for us. It, it, it makes a lot of good points, right? There's 90,000 local governing bodies in the United States. That's a lot, right? It is a lot. We yeah. vote on things like... I think we vote on like the coroner, you know, in some places. And so it's like, why, why, you know, who's qualified to do that and why are we voting for them? Also, what power does the coroner have? I don't think very much. But, but essentially, it's like people have lives. People have husbands and wives and families. And how are they supposed to know what's going on? And how are they supposed to have time to discover what's, you know, what's happening on a local level? That's never going to change. And so we should have less elections. And it's just funny to me that it, I mean, this is the only way I can read this is they're just like laying the groundwork because they know that Joe Biden isn't going anywhere unless he's absolutely forced out and his numbers are terrible. He's not doing a great job. And so they have to start laying the groundwork now. That's like, hey, maybe it's not a good thing that we vote. But like, where's the get out the vote? Right. Like, where's that? That just that right. we're just going to put out these articles for for no reason. We're just going to say, hey, mm-hmm. here, here, here's sortition. This is what we should. Maybe we should look at this hmm, sortition. There's no way that could be corrupted. Oh, Using yeah. a sorting hat to right. fucking pick our it's president. Perfect. There's no yeah, way. It's perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect system. It's obviously it's not perfect. No system is. Democracy is notwithstanding. I just think that if you aren't sure about 
<laughs> what's going on, then at the very least, you should probably not have like an emotional reaction to politics if, if you're unsure. And it's okay to be unsure. If you don't want to participate in the process of, uh, of civics and you don't want to uh, perform your civic duty and learn about your community and figure out who's good and who's not. And then if you don't see anybody that's good, then you maybe run because you think you can do it better. Um, if you don't believe in any of that, fine. That's how we're set up. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree with the Atlantic. Don't vote. Stay home. Don't go vote. If you, if you think that you're not uh, well-informed enough uh, to make a decision about your attorney or your district attorney, then absolutely don't vote. Don't, don't vote on party lines because you like the party and you think that, you know, Right. You vote blue, so there's going to be more power for what you like. Maybe. Maybe. There's also a lot of sites like isidewith.com and, and numerous other ones that you can just like, it goes through, it'll ask you 50 questions. You give your honest opinion on all of them, and it shows you, like, hey, you most align with this one. Like, at least to give you a ballpark idea of where to start, like, to just plead ignorance is, is ridiculous when it comes to something like this. Like, we're, like, the founding pillar of democracy for the whole world. So to have our, our news organization start to talk about going away from that just seems absolutely ridiculous. Now, I agree. Coroner, we could tighten up more of the public offices that we vote for. That, yes. That, that doesn't bother me as much like that. That seems reasonable. But like to try to like start planting the seed of we shouldn't vote. The people don't really know what they want or need. That sounds fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good idea. Yeah. And like, you know, not too long ago, we were talking about how you know d- d- democracy uh, was was hanging on by a thread because yeah. of January 2nd, this, that and the other. So like, yeah. you, you know. We really care about it when when we're when we're told to care about it, um, and, and you should care about who you elect, and you should know about who your leaders are, because if you just vote for them because of their their them or their rep right next to their name, then they're going to have an inflated opinion about what you think of them. For example, in San Diego, local leaders, the city council members, they probably think that they did a tremendous job during COVID because there's so much positive affirmation for who they are um, and people vote for them. And so they say, oh, wow, yeah, you did a great job. They still like me. Um, and I, br- I bring up COVID because they're bringing restrictions back. <laughs> there's a, I forget, what's the college in Atlanta that's doing? They're bringing back face masks. Boo. As a as a requirement in this Atlanta college, Morris Brown in Atlanta are requiring students and employees to wear face masks on campus for the next two weeks. <laughs> Why? Why? Why are we doing it? I saw Alex Alex Jones was talking about this, saying that there's a move to start moving more and more back towards us, and he said by October. So let's see if this is true. I guess you know he says a lot of shit, but by October it's going to be mandatory in all airports to wear face coverings again and all employees are going to have to be wearing them and they're going to roll out. They already have rolled out this new booster that they're starting to try to push to everybody. And he has his concerns about that as well. So who's to say I will not be getting that booster shot though. I'm done. I'm not getting a booster and I will respectfully decline your invitation for me to wear a face mask anywhere. It's just not going to happen, man. Like this, if if I don't know. I saw I saw the story about Morse Brown, and I just all I could think of was like, oh, I, I mean, I hope not, because then that's going to get real uncomfortable. Because I'm like, I, I'm not. There's no conformity this time around. Just suck my dick is what I'm going to say, respectfully. Respectfully. There's no. I mean, it's just like there's no. There's no room for it anymore. 
I don't care what yeah. anybody says. Nobody has the answers. That's been proven. Anyways, rein that back in before I get too emotional. What do you think about Trump not going to the Republican uh, debate? I don't. I don't think that there's any benefit for him to go and debate anybody on that. Yeah. Kind of what he said. Pissed off Ron DeSantis because I think he wanted to use it as a yeah, of course he did. shine or maybe get a couple clips or something like that. But he's getting butt fucked in the polls. Like he's. He's done. Like I, I, all those yeah. people are pretty much done. That would be on that stage. Pretty much. Short of vying for like a vice presidency bid, right? You know, if someone right. performs well there, they might gain momentum to maybe take that office. That's that's kind of seems what it's like at this point. But the man has four indictments against them, and he is leading the polls at like sixty three percent. He's not just leading the polls. He's more popular than he's ever been ever. Really? Ever? Ever? Oh, not God. like like not not being president. His polling as as well as he's ever polled in his life. So mm. yeah, no benefit for him to get up on there. I mean, it, it, it would be basically like this is a crude analogy, but like asking LeBron James to go play in like the D League for a day. It's just yeah. not. It's just not. It's a absolutely no interest of his to do, uh, and it's just going to give attention to the other people. And why would you want that if you're running against them? Uh, so yeah, probably a smart move on here. Yeah. Well, I saw something this week that. Maybe we should bring our buddy Dave Matranga or Brian Duncan back on here to talk more about this because they'll know more about me. But I did see that uh, as of yesterday, the average thirty-year mortgage hit an alt that hit a high since November of two thousand at seven point four eight percent. That is fucking crazy. It's brutal, man. It's absolutely brutal. Dude, it, it made me jump into it a little bit and just look into some numbers. And in nineteen sixty, the median family income was fifty six hundred dollars a year. Okay. And the medium home cost was $11,900. So, you know, about twice what you would make in a year over the course of 10, 20 years. That's that's a doable thing. You can start saving, build generational wealth, do what you need to do to live the American dream. In the year 2023, the median family income is $70,000. Mm. Well, the, the medium home cost is $416,000. Then add a 7.4% interest rate to a 30-year mortgage. You're paying... Probably close to five hundred and fifty thousand for that four hundred sixteen thousand dollar house. Yeah, yeah, man, that's so bad. That's <laughs> so bad. And and like I, the, the, what gets lost in there, the thing that frustrates me so much is the wages. Yeah, and wages have been stagnant. The interest rates are too high. Homes are too high. Yes, the rent is too high. Yes, correct. Those things exist, but the wages are unacceptable. Unacceptable. It almost doesn't make sense to buy a house anymore. It's, and that yeah. will just fuck. I mean, we know what that does to our whole economy. It just it it'll fuck it all. Nobody wants to invest, and except, I really the, want except to talk those to who have it, who have it that can invest. I mean, exactly. I, I, I yeah, think that exactly. might be the whole point: is that you'll own nothing and like it. We've heard that one before. Yeah. So maybe we got to bring Dave on to, to learn a little bit more about it or something. But I, I'm just like, so I'm so curious how he even tries to attempt to sell to anyone that's not a multimillionaire. Right. Like, how do you, <laughs> you could talk about refinancing, but like, it seems like this shit just inflation keeps rising and this rate, I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, I remember we were talking about 6%, but 7.48, like that is bonkers, bro. It, I saw a thing online that said people that were paying a thousand dollars for their mortgage, even three years ago, are now paying over $2,300 with these, <laughs> like, if, if they would have bought a house now, you know what I'm saying? Oh, for man. the same house. So ridiculous. That's crazy. That's so ridiculous. Well, uh, I think we could end on a high note. There has <laughs> been a new feat of uh, human engineering. Uh, India has successfully landed its Chaturanyan 3 spacecraft on the moon's South Pole Wednesday. Uh, 
days after a similar Russian mission ended when the when its probe crashed into the lunar surface. India is the first country to reach that part of the moon's surface, an achievement expected to kick off a new era of space exploration. So that I, I think it's easy to understate just because we don't like just dumb little monkeys, really. Um, it, I, I have almost zero knowledge of what it takes to put a, a, a probe on, or, or a spacecraft on the moon's south pole, but apparently this is an incredible achievement. Like something really, really impressive, and and something we're, uh, that we should be commending uh, uh, Indian scientists on. Uh, very, very, very well done. It's being hailed as a universal human achievement, um, which is good. We need we need more of that. That's for sure. Um, this is India's Prime Minister. Narendra Modi? Prime Minister Modi. India's successful moon mission is not just India's alone. This success belongs to all of humanity and it will help moon missions by other countries in the future. So very good. Well done, India. Especially when Russia earlier this week, didn't they just crash a spaceship trying to do mm -hmm. the same thing? Yeah, they did. Yeah, sucks to suck, Russia. Yep. Uh, Israel and Japan have also tried and failed at the same task. Okay. Does that make you question at all if we went to the moon in the fucking 60s then? It makes me question. we can't do it in the year 2023? Well, this is the south pole of the moon. This is like the dark side of the moon. This is this is something different altogether. True. Yeah, I don't know. I've always questioned that. Like we had real, like we had real time like broadcast yeah. on the moon well, in the 60s? You know I am a space fan, big time. But have you seen the video of this India landing, bro? Mm-mm. It looks fake. It looks computer generated. Like it doesn't look like I'm looking at a in in the year 2023. We should have a 4K fucking camera on that on that space capsule. That's that's or whatever it is. That's like pointed at the motherfucker landing. And it, dude, look up the video. It looks so fake, man. I'm looking at a still photo from the video, um, and it does look like oh a, a video game from the '80s. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's it, and it's like everyone's cheering. And I'm just like, this does this seems weird, and I love space. I'm all about that shit. But man, I saw it. I'm like, that is not real. <laughs> There's no way. I want to see if I could pull a video up for the, anyone watching this thing. And, well, uh, I think what, I think what's going on is that they're I mean they're getting this video from probably from a satellite in Earth's orbit. So it kind of makes sense. Guess, but like we don't have satellites that can capture the dark side of the moon, really. I mean, I go on the South Pole, not technically dark side, but I don't know, man. It just looks a little fishy to me. I'll, I'm going to, I'll just share it with you quick. This is their president here on the left here. Dude, come on. Those colors don't even look right. So what I'm thinking is that they have, I'm, I'm thinking this is either like a, a simulation showing what's happening or it's like a, like a filter to kind of get the outline of the of the spacecraft so oh, you can see it. I got you. Yeah, something. That I makes more sense. Yeah, because this does not look real. Like, that looks like some shit from PowerPoint, man. Where's the paperclip mm -hmm. at? <laughs> the paperclip, I'm weak. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, one other uh, space story that I heard yesterday is the first day that we believe that we could possibly be contacted by aliens due to something that we did back in the 80s. And I, I did not know we did this. It's kind of cool. August 15th, 1983, a couple Japanese scientists shot out radio waves into the sky uh, in a way that when these radio waves would be received, they basically told a message for anyone that would be out there at this uh, the nearest star to us, which is about 16... 
0.7 light years away. It's called Altair, and it's the 12th brightest star in our night sky. And they say that as yesterday would be the soonest that from the day in the 80s that we shot those radio signals out there. And if they got them literally that day and shot them back to us, that we would get any contact from them to let them know that, you know, hello, we are here. Obviously, we haven't heard anything yet. They are monitoring it now very closely starting yesterday going forward for, for a while here. I just wanted to share, I thought it was kind of a cool way to do this, how they did this. There's been other attempts at like time capsules and things like that that we've sent up there. They like told the story of human life and like how we got here. No you know, shit. Which would, would make sense. Yeah, with radio waves, which is really cool. Um, if you had a, it's a radio wave telescope, that's how you would like take this in. But basically, we started at showing them cells and as the cells progress, through these different radio transmissions that we sent, we get to DNA. From DNA, we have microbes and all the you know organisms, and they form into you know bigger organisms that then form into fish. Uh, and then it shows the fish leaving the water, becoming an on on ground mammal, then evolving into a primate, into people, and then they do a slide that actually shows roughly like what a human looks with radio waves. And that's just damn. It's honestly genius to me that they did this. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the last one is like a toast, is like a cheers, like a peace offering to everybody. So, and uh, it um, looks like the, the Chinese did this? Japanese? Uh, Japanese. Yeah. Japanese, yep. So, you know, maybe maybe we will finally hear anything back, but it, it seems like uh, it seems like a cool idea. I hope we get uh, a message back from 16 million years ago, and it tells the story of creation. Yeah, of why yeah. We, how we got here, you're saying? No, we, we, did, we, we basically told them the story of evolution. I hope they come back and say we were created by the hand of God. Oh yeah, and it just, right. And it just shows right. a, a God, and then him forming, and then a rib, and then him blowing the life, and said, "This is the story." <laughs> and we just started intergalactic <laughs> debate. Um, <laughs> we talked to each other for years. <laughs> uh, but cool stuff, cool stuff. Uh, I'll post the link to these sites and stuff to this uh, New York Post article that, that they put out about it. I saw it all over social media yesterday. But if you want to see these images a little closer, um, pretty genius stuff. Pretty genius way to announce ourselves to people and let them not be alarmed if they f ever found us. So Heck yeah. That is all I got, Frank. Any uh, anything else? Uh, that's it. That's it, my friend. I have to go do my normal daily functions it has been the pleasure of a lifetime frank it has always every week it is you know where to find us but i'll remind you anyway uh instagram and tiktok at french news hour on twitter at french nh and you can find us on or you can send us an email at bummerdude.media at gmail.com bummerdude.media at gmail.com we'll see you next time <laughs>